Shine in your hymn book. Shine, Jesus, shine. want to remember Brother Gary as he had surgery a couple of days ago and uh, he's at home recuperating and we appreciate Brother Ron Goodwin leading us uh, in our song service this morning. So I know you want to remember Gary as we pray together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this day and for our opportunity that we have to come and worship together. 
God, we're grateful for strength and health and just the ability to be here. And we do lift up Brother Gary to you today, thanking you for the success of the surgery that he had on his neck. And, Father, we just pray that 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 surgery is successful and that he will heal quickly and completely and that he will be back with us and among us in just a few short days. And, God, as we stand here this morning uh, closing out one year and looking forward to the beginning of a new year, God, let us look back and let us see the opportunities that we had to serve you and, and evaluate those times when maybe we didn't serve you as we should and make that commitment as we move forward into a new year that when you put the opportunity in front of us, when you open the door, that we will go through it together as a church and individually as, as you give us each those opportunities to minister in your name and to share the name of Christ with others. So, Father, as we gather our hearts together this morning in worship, we pray that you would speak to us through the singing of praises, through the prayers that will be offered, and, Father, through your word as it is shared with us today by Brother John, that you would just speak to us and and give us that word that you want us to hear. May we welcome your presence in our hearts individually and in our midst together as a church family this morning. And may we truly say when we leave here today that it had been good to have been in your house today, Father. We just uh, thank you again for your blessings, for your love for us, and for this opportunity to lift up our voices and our hearts in praise and worship to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. Good morning. We want to welcome you to First Baptist Church. We are so glad you're here to worship with us today, and I know a lot of people are still traveling and um, out seeing families as we're approaching uh, the new year, uh, but we are glad that you're here today. And we just ask you to remember uh, Brother Wayne. His family's traveled to see Susan's mother. Keep them in your prayers, as well as uh, Brother Bill. He's at Time Out Retreat with a lot of youth. So we have a lot of things still going on, and um, just reminded of why we are here is to worship and and to serve uh, God. And while we celebrate Christmas, uh, we're just going to ask that you fill out the flap on your bulletin for us if you've got any prayer needs if you'll put that on there for us so we can uh take it to our prayer team that's praying now also if you're visiting with us if you'll just fill that information out so we can get uh some more more information to you about first baptist so if everyone would just stand and greet one another and just look for visitors around you
about 25 years old that I gave to one of my daughters when she was a little girl. So they are kind of like uh, classics, and they never go out. And um, this one looks like a baby, more of a baby. And it, um, and I know, do you like to sleep with her? She's not soft enough to sleep with? Oh, should she do something? She doesn't do anything, but she does have a hard part in her stomach. She's got a pacifier. You just take care of her and put her to bed. Okay. Do you have a crib in your room? Well, um, boys and girls, it does remind me um, of why we're celebrating Christmas and that Jesus came as a baby. And, um, and I know we celebrated Christmas last week, and I went into Sunday school classrooms today and I saw that a lot of you were doing um, what, who came after Jesus was born and brought gifts. Some of you were acting it out. Who, who came after Jesus was born and brought gifts and followed a, what? What they for? Star. Followed a star. Who was it that came? Can someone tell me? I know you guys know. Who was? The three wise men. Three wise men, that's right. And boys and girls, they brought gifts to Jesus. And that's uh, one of the ways that we got started giving gifts to each other. But Christmas, the focus is and the reason is we're celebrating the birth of Jesus and that he came, that you might have life and forgiveness of your sins as you get older. And um, I just want us to remember that as we leave here today, and it's not too late to still give someone a gift because of Jesus' love and to encourage others. And um, I just pray that each of you have a great new year. And let's just go to the Lord right now in prayer. And I'm so glad Macy brought her Cabbage Patch kid uh, for to share with us, to remind us that we're to, to give gifts to Jesus and to, to love and honor him. So if everybody will just bow in prayer with Miss Sabina. Dear Heavenly Father, we do just thank you just for your love. And I just thank you just for the... Um, being able to come to you in childlike faith, just as these boys and girls, and to accept that gift of Jesus and that forgiveness. And I just pray that as we enter into the new year, that we would remember to serve and to honor you in all that we do. In your name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, boys and girls, it is fifth Sunday, so we do not have children's church today. But I need to give the happy club bag. Miss Louise is out of town. Uh, to a boy, and I'm going to give it to Brooks Crawford. And so, Brooks, before you go, there's something still in here. I feel the 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 bottle. <laughs> All right. So, Brooks, if you will take that and bring it next week, and boys and girls, you can go and sit with your parents.
Well, his eye is on a little sparrow, and I know my Jesus watches. He watches. His eye is on the sparrow, and he watches over me every day. Amen. That's everyone stands singing that great old hymn, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, 122 in your hymn book. Tell me the story of Jesus.
Our most gracious, kind Heavenly Father, we thank thee for this day. Father, we just thank you for giving each one a safe trip back home. All for the holidays, Father. Now, Father, would you just lead and guide each one of us, Father. And Father, as we come to this part of the service, we just ask you to just bless the tithes that the ones give us, Father, that it may go for thy work. Now, Father, we just ask you to go with each one of us now and give us a safe trip. Now, Father, we just ask all these things in thy name. Amen.
Let me invite you to take your copy of God's Word and, and turn to the book of Matthew. And as you're turning there, this morning I uh, cut on my phone and there was a text message. And it was from Bill Hughes. And this was the request. It said, please pray for the youth on the timeout retreat this morning. We will extend an invitation to receive Christ during our morning worship service. Pray that students who've never trusted Christ will open their hearts and receive Him today. So we want to remember uh, as we begin this time of worship the youth, a part of our fellowship, and others that are over in um, Talladega, Alabama is where they are, at a, the Baptist camp there known as Shaco Springs. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Lord Jesus, we just stand in awe of your goodness to us and the opportunities that we've had throughout this year to worship you. And Father, here is another wonderful opportunity. It's like a meal that has been prepared. Father, the the prayers have been prayed, the, the preparation, the music. Father, your word is right before us. And in a moment we'll dive in and we will feast. And, and in the midst of that feast, we'll worship. You, the giver of life, the giver of the word, the giver of your son, Jesus. But Father, we pray for for gatherings like this all over our nation, all over our world today as believers gather to worship you. And we pray for just the movement of your Holy Spirit in each of these gatherings as your truth is proclaimed. But Father, our hearts are particularly concerned about a portion of our church fellowship today over in Alabama as they gather to worship and praise you just like we have. Father, we pray for that gathering. For the young men and young women who who may not have grown up in church or or may have grown up in, in church all their life. Father, we just pray that as they share your word this morning, as they worship, that there would be young men and women who this would be the day they step across the line. This would be the day they give their hearts to you. So, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just move in the hearts of young men and women there at Shaco Springs this morning. And there would be boys and girls, young men and women, who would be born again by the Spirit of God. Lord Jesus, we invite you to move among us too. And give us hearts that are open. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Nancy and I had just gotten married and and, um, we moved to Athens, Georgia. We were right off of Gaines School Road at something called Parthenon Garden Apartments. And I think we'd only been there a couple weeks. 
And you know how it is when you're newly wed, you're in your first apartment, you're all excited. So we invited uh, Nancy's mom and dad to come up, Bill and Mary and Mass from Edison. And, and they drove up our little, you know, one-bedroom apartment. As I recall, they slept on the pull-out couch, you know. And uh, that morning we decided we were going to cook breakfast. So we were all excited. We got the eggs, and we got, you know, this is our first time doing this for company, eggs, and we got the, the grits, and we got the bacon, and we got all the elements ready for this breakfast. And, and uh, so I'm in this little kitchen. You know how these little apartments are. I'm in this little kitchen. We're kind of standing side by side, and, and uh, she said, you do the eggs. So I, I start to pick up the first egg. And like I'd seen my mother do for 24 years, I reach into the cabinet, I take out the butter knife, and I tap that egg with the butter knife. And as I'm doing that, Nancy goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is how you crack an egg. She grabs the egg, taps it on the counter, and breaks it open. And, and, uh, and uh, needless to say, uh, I made a hasty exit out of the kitchen. You know what I mean? We, you could tell this was not going to go well. And Nancy prepared the breakfast. It was delicious. And, and, uh, but that little, uh, I guess you say confrontation or that little dilemma, that was kind of awkward when you had guests there, you know, and there the honeymooners are kind of arguing in the kitchen. Pales in comparison to what we see in this scripture this morning. Look with me at verse 18. We're going to go through this verse by verse. So look at verse 18, at an awkward discovery that Joseph had. Look at this text. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found or discovered to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, God never promises us that when we choose to follow Him and we give Him our hearts, He never promises us that our following Him is going to be smooth as silk. And so when Mary had returned from visiting Elizabeth, Joseph began to notice that Mary was putting on a few pounds. And, you know, it didn't take him too long to figure out, as it says here, Joseph discovered that the reason she was putting on this weight was that she was pregnant. And I'm sure, this is the understatement of the year, that Joseph was devastated. Because as we read in this text later on, Joseph, to the best of his ability, had done everything he knew to do right. I can imagine that he had dated, if you want to use that word, Mary for many years. And so he really knew this young lady very well. Not only that, because of the community, he knew her parents. He knew her family. He knew the character that this woman had. I can imagine probably when he asked her to marry him, he probably took her over to, you know, Longhorn Steak, right? Did it upright, delicious meal. Following the delicious meal, he probably took her over to Fullwood Park, you know, with the Christmas lights. Well, probably no Christmas lights then, but anyway, you know, took her to a beautiful place, a beautiful setting. He probably got down on one knee, 
And he probably said, Mary, will you be my wife? He did everything, I'm sure, to the best of his ability. And imagine, I can imagine those, the young fellows that were his buddies were probably giving him the business. Oh, you're going to settle down with her. You're gonna, you, know how they, you know how guys tease. Can you remember that? I can remember after I got engaged to Nancy, my best friends thought that they needed to make an absolute idiot of me by you know, hazing me or something. So J- Joseph did everything he knew. She was the fulfillment of many of his dreams, heart's desire. And now what he discovers is that Mary has been unfaithful. He had been flying high. He had future plans, everything. They would share together their children and all this. Now Mary has broken that commitment. Trust. Trust in one another. Trust in one another. That is the most beautiful gift a husband and a wife can give each other. It takes years to develop that trust. And it can be destroyed in just a matter of minutes. See, Joseph knew. He knew that Mary had violated their trust. The evidence was staring him right in the face. It was undeniable. Well, let's continue to read our text. Verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, Joseph had a response. Joseph had a solution. And Joseph felt like he had to do something. Love cares. Love takes action. And Joseph knew in his heart, I have to do something. And as I said, Joseph is described here as being a righteous man. doesn't say Joseph was a perfect man, but he was a righteous man. And that means he walked in the ways of the Lord. He followed after the Lord God. He listened to the word of God. And there this morning, I remind you, is an incredible opportunity for blessings upon the husband and the wife who both walk in the ways of the Lord together. See, Joseph, he knew Mary's heart. He knew that Mary loved the Lord. He knew she had a passion for God. That's probably why he did not want to disgrace her publicly. He didn't want to expose her to ridicule. But he did want to honor his Lord. He did want to be obedient to God. But how? How was he to do this? In the scriptures we read, and if you want to flip over there to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 22, verse 20. He says, if however the charge is true, and no proof of the girl's virginity can be found. She shall be brought to the door of her father's house, and there the men of her town shall stone her to death. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 24, 
If a man, verse 1, if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her and he writes her a certificate of divorce. These words from the Lord were in his heart. How? How? God, how do I deal with this situation? I can imagine the struggle that that Joseph had must have been similar to what Abraham went through. You recall in Genesis chapter 22? In Genesis chapter 22, the Lord God tells Abraham, take Isaac, your son, and go to the mountain and sacrifice him. Can you imagine the struggle that Abraham felt? As he journeyed those three days, and and he's thinking, but Lord, you promised that out of my lineage would be a blessing to the whole world, the nations. How is this going to work, God? How is this going to work if you have me slay my only son? I don't understand. I can imagine the struggle over and over. Abraham must have thought, Lord, I thought I was following your will Why would you be leading me to do this? And over again, I imagine Joseph must have thought as he was preparing based on God's word to divorce Mary, Lord, you were leading us. Lord, you were guiding us. We had your blessing on our lives. Why? Why would you let this happen? You know, I'm convinced from God's word that none of us Escape the struggle. Not a person in here. Now you may be kind of young this morning, maybe a child or a young teenager, and you go, what's this struggle you're talking about, Brother John? But if you're 20, 25 or older, you know what I'm talking about. You're faced with an incredibly difficult situation, and you're asking, Lord, what do I do? Well, here we see in this passage of Scripture Yes, Joseph struggled, but God intervened. We see divine intervention. Look at verses 20 through 23. But after he had considered this, weighing this decision of how to put Mary away, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, just as the Lord, he sent an angel and told Abraham, don't hurt Isaac. And there was a a ram caught in a thicket. Just as the Lord made that provision, the Lord sent an angel. He sent an angel to Joseph. 
And that angel said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. What's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're 12 years old or whatever, 7 or 8 years old, you've heard this story 7 or 8 times. You've heard about Joseph and Mary and the angel. And if you're like me, I'm almost 54, I've heard it 54 times. And some of you, you know, you've heard it quite a few more times. But I want you to realize, though we've heard these words many times, Joseph was hearing for the very first time. And what the angel was telling him is, God is doing a supernatural work in your fiancé. And thus in your life, because you're committed to her and your family. And matter of fact, Joseph, I'm going to tell you about this child. It's going to be a boy. And the boy is to be named Jesus. And there's a reason he's going to be named Jesus. Because he, the only person in human history, will save what? His people. From their sins. Jesus in Hebrew is is Joshua, which means the Lord is salvation. The Lord saves. His name, Jesus, was significant. Now, I don't know about you, but I would imagine that Joseph would have awakened from this dream that morning and said, You know, I've just had the craziest dream I've ever had in my life. I should not have eaten that Domino's pizza last night. It really messed me up. I must have had some bad pepperoni or something, whatever. You know, you would have thought he'd have woke up saying, there's no way what I just dreamed could be possibly true. The child in Mary's womb is of the power of the Almighty. This child is going to be the savior of of all peoples. You would have thought he said, there's no way this is impossible. But that's not what he did. He was in the midst of the struggle. He was trying to decide, God, what do I do? And God spoke to him. Through an angel in a dream. Many of you have experienced similar things. I can remember for me, when I was in college, as I was trying to walk with the Lord and be obedient to him... Everywhere I went, there were people hitchhiking. Everywhere I went, there were people in need. Everywhere I went, and I was like, God, what do I do? They're asking. They're saying, will you help me? And so, you know, my, my car was just picking up hitchhikers all the time. I'll never forget, I picked up this gentleman coming in from college, coming into Macon, and, and for this strange time, as I picked up this hitchhiker, I brought him to my house there in Macon, Georgia. And uh, invited him to spend the night. And so he slept downstairs on our couch, and I slept upstairs in my bedroom, and my mom and dad slept in their bedroom. Next morning, I met with that guy and took him to a ministry that could help him. And 
I came back home. I'll never forget sitting down there in that living room. My dad came in. He said, uh, son, do you have any idea what you did last night? And I was thinking, man, he's fixed to pat me on the back for, for ministering to people and, and loving people. He said, do you have any idea the situation you put your mother in last night? He said, you, you know, while we were all asleep, you had an absolute stranger that none of us know about living, sleeping in our house. He could have done anything. You know, kind of like a light turned on in the life of this 21 or 22-year-old young man. God used those words of counsel from my father just like he was speaking from the Lord. Another situation where God spoke to my heart, Nancy and I had dated for two years and, and we were excited about our relationship and, and we knew in our hearts that God was leading us towards marriage and, and we went off for a wonderful weekend in the spring and just had a great time. And as we were talking and, you know, as you talk and plan and all that, we said, let's just do it now. We didn't mean that day, but I mean, let's just do it this summer, you know. Let's just go ahead and get married now. And we were so excited about it. You know, yeah, let's just go ahead and get married now. Let's get married now. And um, I remember after that weekend, it was actually that weekend, Nancy uh, went on with friends to school, and, and I went to the house. And I'll never forget, my mom and dad were sitting, just sitting there, and, and I began just to talk. They didn't say a word. They were just listening. And I was just saying, you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. And as I was just sharing... It was like the Holy Spirit said to me, John, I've been working in your life. I've been working in Nancy's life. I've been bringing y'all together. Let my plan develop. Don't you just go, now's the time to do it. And they, I just remember them sitting there not saying a word. And it just came to me. It's like, we need to wait another 12 months. Wait another 12 months. And we did. And it's been absolute bliss for 30 years. Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> but what the point is this, when we're in the midst of the struggle and we're sincerely asking God, show us, he is going to come through. He's not going to leave us hanging. And that's what he did for Joseph. Joseph was in the midst of a, a struggle. He's like, Lord, what do I do to honor you? How do I live this out? Do I divorce her like, like it seems like your word would command me to do? What do I do? And God made it clear. Now what's amazing is the final part here. Look at what the scripture says. When Joseph woke, woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This blows my mind. Do you realize Joseph woke up from that dream? And what he did is he walked out his, this front door of his house. He walked down the street. He knocked on Mary's door and said, you're coming home with me. 
That's what the scripture says. He was obedient. He was obedient. He didn't concern himself with the gospel that people would say there in the town. He was concerned about being obedient to the Lord. God had spoken to him in that struggle when he sought the Lord. And so he was serious about the word God had spoken to him. I'm sure some of his friends questioned Joseph's decision because of what he had thought earlier. Listen, Joseph, don't you remember what the word says in Deuteronomy? But what Joseph was, was obedient to God. I'm sure there was social pressure, but Joseph was obedient to God. I'm sure there were people that said, Joseph, think about your future. It's not worth throwing it away on Mary. But Joseph was obedient to God. What about us? Are we willing to be obedient no matter what the cost? Joseph took Mary as his wife in obedience to the Lord. Are we willing to obey the Lord no matter what he asks us? We recall in the Old Testament that Abraham was asked to to leave his home and go to a strange country. He obeyed. We recall in the New Testament that Philip was commanded, he was a deacon and and he was commanded to go out of town to, down the Gaza Road where he ended up witnessing. He was obedient. We recall again in the Old Testament that Joshua was commanded to march around Jericho day after day, blow the trumpets, and this soldier who was used to fighting is now marching. He was obedient. God will take care of the circumstances of our life if we will walk in obedience. Now when did it start? Look at it. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up. Are we truly wide awake this morning? Even in the midst of your struggles, are you wide awake seeking the Lord? Are you in His Word saying, Lord, show me. Have you heard the Lord's command to you yet? Do you know right now what he wants you to do? See, if you know, Joseph did it that morning. He was obedient to God when God spoke to him. And it was just the beginning of the greatest adventure and challenge of his life. We read other passages about Joseph and and the challenges that he faced. But he was obedient and he listened to God. And life for us will be a challenge and adventure also if we'll simply obey him. Now if you're here this morning and you have never personally trusted Jesus Christ to forgive your sin and to renew you and to remake you, then it's not possible for you to live in obedience to God until you surrender to Him as your Lord and Master. But this morning, if Christ lives in you, then through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can submit to God's plans. You can submit to His commands in your life. You can live moment by moment in fellowship with Him. You can live this morning under His gracious power and control, no matter what circumstances 
you're facing. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Lord God, like your servant Joseph, I say yes. I say yes to your plans for my life. Lord God, I first say yes to your plan to to save me, to rescue me from my own foolishness, from my own sin, from my own plans. Lord, I thank you that you died on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven, that I could become a new person in Christ. So Lord, I say yes to that this morning if, if I never have before. But Lord, I also, like your servant Joseph, say yes to your plan to live through and direct my life. Lord, I yield to you. Even when I'm in the struggle and I can't exactly figure out what you want me to do. Lord, I see in your word, you promise you will direct me. You only require that I be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. If in recent days the Lord has spoken to your heart, and in the last few days or weeks or months, in the privacy of your own heart and life, you made a decision. You prayed a prayer. You invited Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. If you meant that and you were serious about that, based on God's word, Jesus Christ came into your life. He forgave your sins. He made you a new creation. And now all he asks is that you would acknowledge him publicly. That you would say, I am his disciple. I'm willing to be baptized as he commanded. I'm willing to join and be a part of this fellowship And invest my life here. I would encourage you to be bold and to step out this morning. But most of us that have gathered here this morning have already trusted Christ. And what he wants to know this morning is, will you be obedient when I show you my will? And my prayer this morning is as we stand and sing, take my life and let it be that you'll say yes to the plans God has for you. Let's stand and sing if God's speaking to you.